Lost and Sound is sponsored by Audio-Technica. This year is the company's 60th anniversary. Audio-Technica are a global but still family-run company that makes studio-quality yet affordable products. They made the first microphone I ever bought. They make stuff that I use. They make stuff that you probably use because they believe that high-quality audio should be accessible to all. So head on over to audiotechnica.com to check out all of their range of stuff. Okay, it's a autumnal Berlin morning. You might be able to hear the train going behind me. And you're listening to Lost and Sound. How's it going? I'm Paul Hamford. I'm a writer, an author, and a podcaster, and welcome to Lost and Sound, the show where we meet the innovators, the outsiders, the mavericks, the artists that do their own unique thing, and we talk about life and the things that inspire us to make the things that we make. Previous guests have included Peaches, Jim O'Rourke, Chili Gonzalez, Letitia Sadier, Ghost Poet, Cozy Funny Tootie, Nightmares on Wax, Mary Davidson, Jan Tiersen, and so, so, so many more. And today, you're going to hear a conversation I had with Steffi. Head on over to my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Paul Hanford if you want to support the show. And my book, Coming to Berlin, Global Journeys into a Club Culture and Electronic Music Capital, is available now on Velocity Press. Okay, I hope you're having a wonderful one, whatever you're doing. Uh, I've got a bit of a sniffle today. I've got, a, I've got my first actual proper cold since the pandemic it's not it's not covid i've been doing the old antigens and it's just it's just an old school classic retro style cold loading up on the ginger and lemon so i apologize if if my voice is a little bit and i scoff this bit up a bit but today you're about to hear a really flowy warm chat that i had with steffi DJ, producer, label owner. In the world of electronic and club music, Steffi is like a swan that seems to glide intuitively with grace in her own way, avoiding so many of the trappings of what could be a superstar DJ lifestyle and and, and reputation for just channeling in on, on intuitive creativity and quality. Her career goes all the way back to growing up in the Netherlands of the 90s when she started DJing. Along the way, her fluid style combining techno house and her productions have become increasingly more adventurous of late. Along the way, she's become a member of the Oscott family and one of the few DJs equally at home playing both Bergein and Panorama Bar. 
She's just released her fourth album, The Red Hunter, which is why we had this conversation when we do. And we talk about this album quite a bit and how it relates to her journey and, and her transformation since beginning DJing in the 90s. It's a rhythmic and, and subtle record and it's the first record to be released on her new label Candy Mountain and she recorded it in Portugal where I was having this conversation with her from. I'm in Berlin, she's in Portugal. We did the little zoomy zoomy thing. She doesn't do all that many interviews and she kind of, as I sort of mentioned, she's very careful about avoiding a lot of the trappings that that a DJ of her stature could could easily do. So I was super honored to have this conversation. Um, it was a very nice, warm experience talking with her, and I hope you enjoy it. Thanks so much for speaking with me. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. It's an absolute pleasure. How, how are things with you at the moment? How's it going? You're kind of quite excited about all of the stuff you've got coming up. Yeah, it's I, it's a, it's a busy time because I'm I'm self-releasing this one and I kind mm. of underestimated the amount of work that comes with the whole production process and getting getting everything right and especially after the pandemic, you know, so many so many things have changed and so many new things that you have to, you know, pay attention to and normally when I write an album and I'm giving it to the label, there's a period of time where you can rest and then the promo starts and then it gets released. And now it's just like writing, putting it in production, doing the production, doing the promo, and then it gets released. So it's kind of like, Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice so, to be, it's nice to be ambitious, but sometimes you're shooting yourself in the leg. you know. Yeah. And so, I mean, do, do you find like, um, I, do you find like you're quite good at putting the different hats on? Because I mean, even within the realms of producing an album, there are different hats that you kind of go through over the process, aren't there? Yeah. From kind of the loose ideas to sort of like becoming like the editor and the producer, you know, sort of more like producing the sound. Do you find that those kind of transitions easy? Well, you know, like I've always been doing like a lot do you know what i mean like D djing and then no, djing and then and then the record labels and then producing started to become like on the on the high scale level uh, you know and i i think this is the first time i kind of realized wow it is it is quite interesting to see right after pandemic how the pace has changed and then you're picking it back up thinking you, you've got the same kind of energy and the same kind of vibe as as before 2020 and then I actually realized like whoa I'm, I'm actually really putting a lot on my plate which is interesting when it comes down to a learning process but sometimes we tend to forget it's it's nice for me to have all these tentacles you know the label the production the DJing all that kind of stuff but sometimes it's also like oh you know when when you're moving on in life that it's also okay to maybe ask for some help or just like make different decisions. But this, I mean, it was a dream to self-release and it was also part of the studio being set up here in the countryside and connecting to a new concept. But I just realized like being back on the road after two year break and doing all these DJ gigs and live shows at the same time, I was like, okay, <laughs> like, woo, 
you know? Yeah, it's interesting what you, you're sort of saying about like the kind of the pause and the break of a year or so that that we had, and because we all we all changed it in in our own ways. And and uh, how how did you feel that you changed viewing it now, kind of coming back to the touring and the releasing? I was, I think I think the pandemic is as as much as it kind of like um, brought a lot of serious issues to the surface you know with so much social um uh learn moments and 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 every every country acted differently and how people responded on a personal level and some people just went mental or you know it it was really strange to see and for me it was like my first reaction which says a lot about like you know, when you're when you're on the road for such a long time, and my first reaction was because it was a fast majeure, we couldn't we couldn't do anything about it. It was it was the force of nature that says stop, and mm. then you know, like, and and I was like, oh, oh, that's that's like getting a free day of school kind of thing. You know, <laughs> I was like, oh, that's not too bad, but because I didn't know how severe it was going to be and the impact mm. that it would have on the less commercial music scene. You know, like I think from the whole narrative, the commercial side moved on and implemented mm. new kinds of music styles that we might or might not agree on. But the serious kind of smaller, like, I hate to call it underground, but let's do it for now just to um, mm. differentiate. They got such a lot of like, you know, like su- such a massive like smack in the face from it that it was it's it was pretty hard to see that some people just had to give in and but for myself going back to your question there was so much that I could reflect on I could put a lot of Mm. I put a lot of love in my labels which was nice to do to really sit and connect with new artists and check out what everybody was doing and also on a personal level it was really good to be in the countryside of Portugal sit Mm. here being surrounded by nature and just go like okay this is a time where I can actually pause and and um reflect on so many things of the last couple of years and i i found it really really healthy it, but it was a bit hectic in the in the second year where you were on start stop start stop gigs were happening gigs were not happening but like the period of time where you knew like we have to let this go there was you know when you surrender to a certain process that you can't really influence mm. it's it's yeah it was really really i, I thought it was really healthy to having to narrow down you know big learning moment in my opinion yeah I, I mean a lot of a lot of people that I speak to say that first period was really really healthy for them in terms of the slowing down aspect that like you described being in the countryside in, in Portugal yeah. as well and uh, and you kind of sort of mentioned earlier on as well about how you know picking up back up speed again it can be quite overwhelming after this kind of slowing down and I think a lot of people took a bit of a stock situation about how much they were putting on their plate and how meant much touring they were doing and how much they were playing and how it affected their, you might have affected their lives, you know. And, and Absolutely, and, yeah. And do you yeah. think go, going back to things, is, it kind of has, has sort of changed how you want to do things, how you want to play? Well, I think, in like, let's 
in, in terms of being a producer, the pandemic was really interesting because there was a lot of times to collaborate with people from a distance. So you mm. find I was already doing it before the pandemic, but it was it was just a, a natural flow that continued. And people like, oh, do you want to make a track together? And you've got the time because weekends were just, yeah, you. I mean, I probably sat in the same track suit for like. <laughs> 12 months you know on the sofa and you know not doing so much so that was that was kind of really on a on the production level it was really interesting because I was very creative but like going back on the road like in the beginning I was like oh let's let's see what's out there but in the end of the day I have to really say that it even inspired me more mm. to be out there as a DJ and to be able to to give this energy to the people because I I, I completely changed um, my mindset. Also, I, I it's interesting, but I also gave up drinking alcohol. So it's really mm. I'm just like, you know, perceiving this from a whole different, you know, perspective. And, and I think it's really it's really healthy at the moment for me. I really enjoy being on the road. It's it's it doesn't it doesn't come as natural anymore because mm. you know, like I'm approaching my fifties and and you can just notice like oh okay I have to put a little bit more effort in than I than I used to do before you know mm. but in terms of DJing I feel really I feel really relaxed about it because it's just you know it's it's a it's a it's also being thankful about the fact that I came back and people are still excited about it you know mm. it could have been a whole it could, have, it could have been a whole different world in the end of the day yeah you know yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I love what you're saying about that. And it's, it seems to me like you're kind of like very sort of positive gratitude based feelings about kind of being out there, you know, and, and doing it again. And, yeah, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, you know, because sort of like between DJing and producing, um, do you know, because there's such a sort of symbiotic nature between DJing and, and producing and and how does this sort of evolve and change for you or how do you feel about the relationship between the two now and how they influence each other that's a it's a really interesting one because of course i i started djing much earlier than i started to produce and then eventually started to release uh, music and i've never really thought about like that my music that i produce has to be um, something that I have to play on the dance floor. And interestingly mm. enough, I, 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 this is a way for me to connect with other people's music. And when, when I'm in a studio, I, I concentrate on the fact that I'm making a record and what the outcome is afterwards is, yeah, mm -hmm. is, it, it is what it is. You know, when you, when you get a good feedback back from it, it's really rewarding. But in the end of the day, it's about like, what did I get from the process? And it and for me, it doesn't necessarily have a strong connection with like, okay, I'm making this now, and I want to play it out on on you know, on this dance floor, or mm -hmm. it needs to it needs to be able to do this in my sets or something. It's a real it's it's really separate. There's only a few projects that I do that I'm actually playing out on the dance floor, and the rest is just it's a really separate world. Of course, of course, like I hear other people's productions, I'm like, oh, that's that's high standard or next level where I would like to be, or you compare sounds or who did the mastering on this record, or, you know, mm. it's that geekiness that has, that comes with it, you know, but in the end of the day, they can, they can completely live separate lives without, yeah, it's really easy for me to separate the two. 
Yeah, and I and I, I really hear it in your albums, and I've been really the last since I got got listened to it. Like I've been listening a lot to the Red Hunter, and and what oh, you're saying about nice. that is it really does, you know, um, it does. Feel, it is very much an album album, you know. That's that's the yeah. way I sort of listen to it, you know. And it's it's sort mm-hmm. of like really, I'm, I mean, I'm really getting drawn into like the rhythms and the way you use rhythms to kind of you know like in more than just the drum sounds you know it's, it's sort of yeah. very rhythmically based in terms of the texture as well yeah yeah very much so that was also what i would that what i wanted to emphasize for sure yeah mm. and now what was the kind of starting point for you with, with with the album well it's interesting you know because the last the last two albums so the, the two albums before this new album it was it was always about like i'm i'm blocking this period of time i'm going into the studio i've got this certain kind of structure how i write like i do mm. like two jams a day i'm diving into it i'm recording it and i'm packing it like it's just tucked away for a while you know and that was my writing process so everything was kind of like it came from the same shape basically mm. because it was done in the same period of time and with this one i didn't really have you know like I, most of the time there's like a three year window between one or the other album and and with this i just started to write because i wanted to experiment with an idea that i in my head and and you're already mm. saying it like you put the emphasis on 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 the rhythm and what the rhythm can do in a melodic context you know mm. like or in as a melodic uh, um element and I just started writing, like, you know, gradually, like, oh, let's do another jam and let's try to, you know, like develop this new sound I have in my head, you know. And that was actually um, just work that developed itself in the last couple of years. And then at some point I was like, it was at some point it was confusing me because I got, oh, I've, I haven't really written in a, in a long period of time. Like, how am I going to get this? like how am I going to get this to work together? But because it was all written from the same mindset, mm-hmm. not in the same period of time, but from the same mindset. And with a lot of post-production, I could really kind of shake them into the, you know, into this storyline. And then mm-hmm. in the end, I was like, oh, it all starts to make sense, you know. But I do have to say, really have to admit, like I had to really kind of sit and let it go like it's okay to do it like this this time do you know what I mean right so you were fighting fighting certain instincts you had yeah kind of yeah Mm. or I was actually I was I was having a debate with them let's put it this way (laughs) like fight fighting sounds pretty like you know but I was like oh am I can I just allow it to do it like this and then it became as soon as I gave myself the allowance Mm. and I was coming out like towards other people with the tracks and say like what do you think and then they're oh oh this is new consistency of how you're how you're actually treating the drums and what kind of function they have in this album and I was like okay good that's yeah for me <laughs> that's okay good yeah. that's amazing because because what you're saying about the kind of like the process but like listening to it all it just sounds so cohesive and it it's you know like like I said earlier it's like an album album and yeah. um you know, which is yeah. which is so interesting for that, considering that that process. And and I'm, you know, talking about like kind of pushing yourself like that to kind of do things that maybe you wouldn't naturally do. Did you do you have any sort of tricks or like are there any kind of like outside of music devices that you go to to kind of 
keep you on the level that encourages you to to experiment and to sort of like know what your instincts are really because I always yeah. get conf- I always get confused about what my instincts are telling me <laughs> but the, but the good thing is I think the confusion if you can if you can if you can kind of capsule or or like welcome the confusion into the mm-hmm. creative process it doesn't really matter that the confusion exists in the end of the day you know like you can just say like oh this is what I bumped into. That's like because I I remember doing stuff in my in my studio in Berlin, and I now basically kind of like try to set up the same kind of system in in uh, in in the studio in Portugal, and I was frustrated like it wasn't ready on time. I still mm. had to do so much of my work, so I had a, a mini setup in the house, which was really primitive, and then I learned to love the fact that I can also just work with the computer and implement everything mm. and this 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 level of confidence that started to grow that in the end of the day it will be fine if the consistency is there it's 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 okay but I do have to say I, I kind of recognize what you're saying is that you're just you're bumping into something and you get that you get that like comfort zone thing you're like ah. Mm. Oh, where am I? Kind of thing. You're like, ah, oh, is this okay? And is it okay? And uh, but I think I think recognizing that as a as a creative process is is amazing because it changes every time, and the hordes are like different. You know what I mean? Like this album had these kind of questions that came to the surface, and the other album had these kind of questions. I think that's that's part of growing as an artist. And coming back to your question, I already had this kind of stuff in my head, like maybe 12 years ago when I was doing mm-hmm. stuff and I, I was just wasn't ready for it, you know, and then approaching the stay stadium of like, Oh, I'm actually maybe already there with one leg into where I want to be. And then at the same time, I already know what I want to do in five years time, you know, that's mm-hmm. like maybe how I, how I challenge myself, you know? Yeah. It's so interesting, isn't it? And like, particularly what you're saying about there, about like kind of, I think partly it's about kind of like there's a sort of thing about challenging yourself by using what you've got in your surroundings as well. Like you were saying about the studio, you know, not being in your studio for a while and having a limited thing and going, well, you know, just work with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a very powerful kind of like being in the moment mindfulness kind of thing, you know, like Mm. it is just simply not happening the way I planned it. Then I have to be in the moment and say like, well, what can I do? Mm. What can I do now? And that is, is, is powerful. You know, creative processes are so diverse. Like it's just such a reflection on where your head can be and, and the worries that you might have. And in the end of the day, then when you can switch off the, all the pragmatic questions and just mm. go like, who gives a shit? You know? <laughs> <In the end laughs> yeah. yeah, so I ended up, I just ended up jamming here with a re- really minimal uh, set and then, tucked it away and after a while I listened back to it, it was like oh my lord like did that mm. come out of this session that's amazing you know and ended up rewriting it and reshaping mm. it and reinterpreted it it was it's it's interesting really interesting it it's is. amazing how yeah it's really interesting and it that wouldn't have happened if you hadn't have gone who gives a shit exactly <laughs> or, or it wouldn't have happened when I was um you know pinning myself down that I have to have everything set up because it's mm. such a great studio and half of it is maybe not working the way I wanted it. But yeah. yeah, it doesn't matter. Like I think, I think over the years doing so many collaborations with different people, you know, I can, I can, I can clearly see what I've learned from working with 
that person, you know, mm-hmm. and to become hybrid and not being afraid of like, oh, it has to be an outboard machine, uh, uh, but it can also be the computer. I think when you lose that fear mm-hmm. of that you're able to work in any kind of environment. So if they would put me on a desert island, just with my computer, I'm like, that's fine. You know, yeah. whereas I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it 15 years ago, like, oh my God, no. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think when you were younger as well, that there's, there was, there's more of a, I mean, this is just an entirely subjective question, really, like more of a mm-hmm. wonder, but there's more of a definite goal that you're after with like a sound or... or... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think that you have you have your dreams. You want to be as good as this person or or, mm-hmm. or listen to that album. And that's that's amazing. And um, yeah, I think I think that the more you the more you hang on to this, this, this thought, the, di- the more difficult it's getting. And 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 the more um, the more st- stylistic boundaries you're creating for yourself. In the beginning, when I when my first two albums are much more like the classic kind of like mm. house and techno style, and I already knew like at some point I want to let that go. And when I wrote the third album, it's like it doesn't this this doesn't need to be about the dance floor anymore. I don't care. Mm. Uh, it's just gave me just just like oh okay, do whatever, just go. <laughs> you know and do you think it was important for you in terms of like thinking about this as a a kind of a career you know in the elements that we do have to think about things in a certain way like that that the first two albums had that house and techno to the fore because of your connection with DJing you know was, was that like your kind of did you sort of view that as like your entry point into producing I think also when I really started to started to come to a point where I started to get the confidence to release stuff. Um, I was actually also making the stuff that I much, much closer to what I was, what I was playing as a DJ. Mm-hmm. And at some point when, when you get that like solid base of, of, of doing loads of projects and you know, like, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm discovering my, my, versatile um capacity of doing you know many 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 things then it's it's you know it, it's it, then you, it's easier to disconnect from it i don't know if that answers the question actually maybe i just drifted off <laughs> <laughs> no I, I think it i think it kind of it answers the question in a way that moves it on as well which is always quite a nice sort of no, nice kind of way to do that really you know i think like- i think it's as i think to sorry for the interruption i think no, i think it was it was um it was also fun, you know, when you're in your early stages of production, it's also fun to make something that, you know, you 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 have certain reference points because you're mm. playing out as a DJ so much. And I always play loads of different kinds of styles. I'm not committing myself to one style. So for me, it was it was just like, you know, when you're kind of warming up, do you know what I mean? Mm. Like you're making an mm. album, you're warming up to the game kind of thing. And this, and, and and the longer you are in the game, the more room there is to like, okay, let's go mental or let's discover <laughs> this or let's follow a dream or even, uh, you know, push your boundaries of becoming a better producer or a better mixer or, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. It's like you're sussing it out in a way for a while, you know, and then, yeah. And, yeah. It's also about finding your voice. And I think the melodic mm. side of how I write is, pretty much the voice on on every record that I've done so far but I think um 
it's nice to see, looking back at all the stuff that I've done, it's just like there's no regrets whatsoever, but mm. I could see a natural develop into achieving something that I had in my head for a very long time, which is really nice. Yeah, and that there is a consistency because, like, um, I, I was going back over the first three albums and and various remixes and stuff like this week, and um, there was one point where I didn't realize, but I put like it on shuffle, and um, and I could kind of notice the sort of like there were certain elements that I could notice. Oh, that's definitely not from the same album that I listened to the last track on, but in terms of like the kind of vibe. You know that the, you know there, there were certain things that were sort of a transistory. You know, like I think on 2011's album, there's like definitely I can remember like this sort of feeling that kind of feeling going to Panorama Bar. You know, around that time. You know, and then but then the, the sort of mood and the feeling sort of just links through the whole thing, which I guess as an artist is, you know, I guess the sort of that that intangible feeling is is, is quite important, is it not? But I think I think it also is interesting what you're saying because like when when I released that first album there was so much like it was the very naive uh, phase in 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 my life where the excitement of you know the the, the label was relatively new mm -hmm. I, resident residency at the club you know being connected to um, the whole you know, the whole uh, concept of, of what Bergheim was doing at the time was, for me, was such a, oh, my God, it was so utterly exciting that somebody actually thought I could actually do an album, you know? It was also me saying, like, hey, when am I doing an album? Which was a joke. And then they were saying, oh, actually, <laughs> you know? And I think, I think that really captures that period of time, like stuff we were playing and... You know, I think every album kind of I can look back and say, ah, this this is where my head was at, and that's just, this is why it, it sounds like this, and this belongs to that period of time. You know, so this it's very I can I can see that very clearly how it was linked to a certain period of time and what came with it. You know, yeah. So like a little bit like a kind of going back for a diary or or looking yeah. at old photographs. Yeah, I say so. Yeah, I'd yeah. say so. Where now I can just like when I get a remix in or somebody asks me for something, I can actually open up a whole like so many different sides of the cabinet and say like, oh, am I feeling poppy today or am I mm. going like completely like deep and uh, and it doesn't matter to me anymore. Like where maybe back then I wouldn't have had the same palette of choice, you know. So. Mm. That's interesting what you're saying as well. And you sort of mentioned the word poppy there. And, uh, um, you know, you're, you're as an artist, you've always been someone that's kind of, I get the impression has kind of avoided certain trappings of, of, of like DJ lifestyle or, or the way or like publicity. And, um, you know, you've always kind of been very focused on, on just making really great work and, and making doing really great sets really and being very selective about about how you know the integrity seems to be very 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 high in in, in everything you do you know and yeah. and I want to know if, if your relationship how your relationship with that has changed over the years you know because obviously you know um, DJ and culture as you mentioned during the pandemic has shifted as well a little bit but it's also you know, <laughs> a little bit it's very yeah. gentle <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. me being very gentle yeah definitely yeah. you are uh, you are you're very kind when it comes <laughs> to this topic you know. but I was wondering what you feel about that now really or, or you know are you more pro 
being selective or I thought like I think one of the do you know when everything always comes in 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 pairs you know duality or yin yang mm. like whatever you like to refer to I think I think there's always a couple of voices at my table and mm. the same the voices in my my head basically have a discussion of like yes one side of me says like I definitely need to be out there and people need to see what I'm doing because it's really important that like it it, it gets you know transported across what what I have to say but at the same time I'm also not not so much a people's person mm. so it's not really for me to be out there with loads of people and to connect to people and hang out with people and have this mm. social and it, it's it, it gets it really gets on my nerves like really really quickly so in that aspect I have to also preserve my little bubble to be able to be comfortable with myself you know and mm. when it comes down to the choices it has, you know, like I've said no to a lot of things where, that like sometimes I'm looking at my second me going like, <laughs> what the fuck did you just turn down? You know, like, and then, and the other me says like, yeah, but you know what? Like if I do this in two years time, like it, 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 it won't make an impact anymore. And it pushes you in a corner where, where you don't want to be like when the first album got released and there's, there's of course a track with Virginia, that became like a, a thing, like a dance floor thing that people really enjoyed, you know. There were many, 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 many people knocking at my door. And this is like, this is 2010, 2011. I was in a whole different headspace and much more rebellious and un, probably unbalanced, you might want to call it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, fuck, fuck everybody. Just get off my back because you just want a copy of the same thing and I don't want to do it. Whereas, whereas people would approach me now for a project, I would just, friendly decline and say like hey look it's 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 not something that I connect can connect to whereas then I was like what do they all want for me and I don't want to do this <laughs> and uh, they all just want a piece of the cake and let leave me alone kind of thing where after so many years now I can really decide like oh this is coming or you know on my path like how, how do I feel about it but still I I also really like to monitor what uh, like longevity is a very it's, it's a very big thing for me and mm. yeah and, and you can you can do it two ways you can just do it the like more commercial way and just the risk of like being put in a corner where you in retrospect, have difficulties like getting out from it's like, oh, I've just mm. pushed myself into like a certain genre because I started to produce like this or taking remixes for certain artists that like, like put you in a box, you know. And sometimes to say no keeps the steady flow a bit more stable, but makes you less rich in the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's interesting, you isn't it? Because it's, you know, it's you work it's, hard. Totally. It, it's funny, isn't it? And like without, you know, hating to use uh, a gendered expression, but there's that expression, king for a day, fool for a lifetime, which, you know, is a quite extreme version of, you know, like the, the idea of, you know, um, because I, you know, I think everyone feels that in their own way of like, it's like, it's like big on a game show and they're saying you could take the money now <laughs> or, or. Yeah, yeah. Or you can, yeah, but the, it, it really is. And since, since virtual reality became such a big extra element next to life and sometimes even takes over the, the emphasis of real life, you know, mm. uh, 
make you know making even making that field much bigger than it actually should be because like the consequences are probably that we 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 learn you know we we limit ourselves in 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 how to learn how to communicate you know it's mm. a whole different world and i think uh, i think it's it's i always say about the last couple of years is like back in the day when i was young guys wanted to be fire fireman and uh girls wanted to be hairdresser or girls wanted to be a fireman and and guys wanted to be hairdresser it's it's mm. of course now very very different like period of time where this whole identity gets you know the boundaries get pushed and there's much more room for people who want to think different but what i'm trying to say is like now it's young kids want to be dj because that's a cool thing to do whereas like when i was young there was no dj there was a radio dj but it wasn't a dj so now mm. there's there's people that want to be dj and um preferably the short way up you know the mm. short road to success no long and hard work because that takes too much time and time is very 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 um fast these days mm. and i think yeah that's that's something that for me now coming back to your question sometimes it's difficult to see that some people get a certain type of type of visibility where you're like seriously like mm. what whereas you then have to go back to the core and think like i'm doing this for me and not for anybody else and it's confusing sometimes but in the end of the day when i'm delivering the stuff that i want to deliver i'm like oh no you know what this is actually okay i just don't i just don't want to play any game that i don't feel comfortable with so i think it's all at the moment very much a matter of how you get perceived by other people you know and yeah i couldn't see myself doing anything else than just it being about the music because that's what that's what it is for me you know what you're saying about the core as well like we're talking about instinct earlier on and and like I'm sort of going you said going back to the core you know I sort of get the idea and I might be wrong of like that's sort of like you know checking in with yourself it's like is this the right decision for me is this is this something that is tantalizing you know but I just don't feel it's going to it's not going to protect me in the long run or it's not going to protect the music and the art in the long run i think i mean if you jump on a temporary thing then 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 in the end of the day um you, you will get the bill very very soon on your desk because mm. all these temporary um hides so to say they they only last a, a bit and what are you going to do after after that it's gone and what are you going to do i mean naturally as a dj or producer you develop yourself and you go into certain lanes and back and forth and mm. maybe it all comes together but i think it doesn't really it it it's that it's not something where my creative challenge lies in the end of the day yeah i mean i i also want to have 60 million plays on spotify i'm not going to deny that you know but it has to be with <laughs> something that i thought was worth my while you know and not because i cater to a certain demand that uh, is connected to that period of time you know yeah yeah and you you kind of mentioned earlier on about um the sort of like you know 11 12 years ago the kind of telling people to fuck off kind of thing and w- was there an element of that in you know in 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 kind of coming from the 90s and in were you living in berlin at the time of that or um... no i was i'm from i'm from holland so i was in in the netherlands but i think i think mm. they can answer really easy i think it's just a character thing right at the end of the day 
I think it's not that doesn't necessarily need is connected to you know going to the clubs uh, very late very late eighties early nineties and having mm-hmm. this fuck you attitude because I it's not that I think that it's just something that exists within me if I feel that something isn't sincere or people are knocking on the door for 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 the wrong reasons or or mm. because they want something of me that I don't want to give them you know like or maybe I wasn't all yeah I'm, I, as I said I'm just not a people's person yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well you might you might not be a people person in that sense but you're you're a people person in terms of talking and communicating and 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 coming across as a nice person so that's that's maybe more important isn't it yeah i i, I there's also millions of people that have me have seen me not as a nice person ah. but like that that but that <coughs> is interesting that's interesting because that's that's on a day where something is is not being taken care of on a professional mm. level or whatever and it's to speak up about it like I'm, I'm not a person that would say like oh my god uh, thank you uh, and then you can fill in the country it was amazing when it was not amazing because mm. i go home with a heavy heart i'm like fuck this was not the gig that i expected it to be or for whatever reason it wasn't the vibe or something has happened or you know why would i why would i keep up appearance like if you don't if you don't relate to it, then you're free to go, you know, or pass, you can come and pass and it's fine with me. <laughs> it's, it's a bit, it's a bit, it's a bit controversial sometimes because people aren't really ready for that level of honesty. And some people might also not relate to it. Fair enough, mm. you know, but if some, somebody comes through the door and starts like name dropping and kissing my ass, like you, you, it's, I'm like, a, I could like really kind of go like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it just doesn't feel feel very comfortable for me. Yeah, um, let's put it on the character. Put it on the character. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, thank you, Steffi. Thank you so much. I really, really, really appreciate uh, you chatting with me. <laughs> oh, thanks for having me. Appreciate you chatting to me as no, much as the other oh, way around. Well, you so. know. Okay, so that was Steffi talking with me Paul Hanford for Lost and Sound and we had that conversation I think about a month ago now it was yeah maybe late September it's what what is it now it's 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 Halloween today so when you're listening to this it'll be just after Halloween I imagine The Red Hunter her fourth studio album is out now on Candy Mountain and thanks to Rosalie DeMeyer for arranging that conversation thanks to ESO as always, for doing the music you hear at the beginning, at the end of this this podcast, and Lost and Sound is presented, produced, put together by me, Paul Hanford. And my book, Coming to Berlin, is out now on Velocity Press. Thank you so much to 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 you that have read it, the people that have read it. Um, and I love getting messages when I do from people that have that have kind of connected it with it in their their own way uh love it love it love it um yes this episode is sponsored by audio technica makers of high quality audio accessible to all headphones turntables cartridges microphones it's their 60th anniversary this year they made the first microphone i ever bought back in the 90s back in my old band brothers in sound i had lots of fun with that and i still use their stuff i regularly when i need to get headphones microphones it's always a case of checking out audio technica's websites which you can do too 
at www.audiotechnica.com. Okay, so uh, that's me. I'm going to have some more honey and ginger. Apologize if I've been a little bit more like wibbly in my way of talking today. Um, I hope whatever you're going to do today, whatever you have done today, is absolutely magical and transcendental for you. And I'll speak to you soon.